hinges creak in doorless chambers, and strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls. Whenever candlelights flicker, where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Imagineer Podcast. I am your host, your ghost host. <laughs> Kindly step all the way in, please, and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. Welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Kroll, and you're listening to episode 54 of the Imagineer Podcast. If you're at all familiar with the beginning of this podcast episode, and I'm sure the vast majority of you are, you'll know that this episode is going to be all about the Haunted Mansion. It is an episode that has been requested by so many of you time and time again and I wanted to wait until the appropriate moment to cover it and no better moment than Disneyland's version's 50th anniversary of the Haunted Mansion which opened its doors on August 9th, 1969. Of course, Disneyland's version isn't the only one out there. There are Haunted Mansion attractions at Disney parks all around the world and it remains one of the most coveted, historic, and incredibly immersive attractions at any Disney park around the world. There is so much to cover, and I definitely want to share with you a lot of fun facts, history, details, information about this attraction that you might not have known before. And because there's so much to cover, I did invite a special guest back on to the show, Christy from the Kingdom Insider, who's going to talk with me a bit more about the Haunted Mansion, and we'll share all of that information with you. At the end of the episode, I will also include a binaural recording of the Magic Kingdom version of the Haunted Mansion, so we get to experience this attraction together with 360-degree audio. And at the very end of the episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all of our social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. Since opening day at Disneyland, which was, as of this month, 50 years ago, the Haunted Mansion has it, what became an instant classic from the moment it opened its doors. It's also the reason why on opening day at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, Haunted Mansion 
was part of opening day, one of the first attractions to open at the park, and why there are different versions of the Haunted Mansion at Disney parks all over the world. You have been asking you at home for this episode for quite a while, and I thought no better time than Haunted Mansion's 50th anniversary to discuss this episode. And because there is so much to discuss, I know I typically, in an episode like this, would talk through the history myself, but I thought with so much rich history and so many details, it made sense to bring a fellow Disney historian and fan onto the show, and she's been on the show before. So you may remember Christy from a previous podcast episode. And I brought her back onto the show to talk about the Haunted Mansion. So welcome back to the show, Christy. Hi, Matt. I am so excited. You have no idea to discuss the Haunted Mansion. I'm so happy. I have some idea because we have talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those attractions. I have some of my earliest memories of going to Walt Disney World and riding this. Um, now, I know you've obviously been on the Magic Kingdom version. Have you been to Disneyland yet? Okay, I have not been to Disneyland. So that is like my mecca. It's my bucket list. I hope to get there this year, hopefully. Um, but the Haunted Mansion is number one on my list when I get there, even more so than the Matterhorn and everything else. Well, that's good. It's It definitely <laughs> should be high on your list. It's, it's one of the best there. There are obviously a lot of similarities, which we'll talk about, but there's some differences. And of course, the facade is totally different in a oh, yeah. different land. Uh, and that's actually one of the things I love about the Haunted Mansion is that it's it's never in the t- same two lands around the world. It's always somewhere else and has a different right. theme, but still is a very similar story, uh, although we'll talk about it at the end just a little bit that there are some differences in some of the different versions. But let's, I think, dive right into this because I feel like we have a lot to discuss. Although before we even get to that, I I should preface, I know the last time, and maybe this is a good time to talk about it before we jump in, last time you were on the show, you were with Hakuna Moscato Moms, and it's amazing how things change so quickly, (laughs) and you're now with Kingdom Insider. Do you want to talk just a little bit about Kingdom Insider? Sure, definitely. So I was with my Disney best friend, Jamie, um, and she still is at Hakuna Moscato Moms. Um, As I like to always quote Walt Disney songs whenever I can, um, a few months ago, fate stepped in and saw me through. Um, I met up with Lisa, the owner of Academy Travel, who actually backs the Kingdom Insider. And we just got to talking. It turned into social media contributing. And actually I'm now the social media director of the kingdom insider. So I've really come in the past month and taking over the reins, um, trying to gear it more towards not just Disney news outlet websites, but personal experiences, um, a lot more stories and IGTV episodes going up. So it's a lot more personal than just the latest news happening in Disney parks and Disney cruise line. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah. That, that episode we recorded together was not even 10 episodes ago when we talked about the I know, top it's 10 just attractions crazy. no I mean, high we, requirement. Right. Which, by the way, I think there was a couple hour episode because, I mean, we could just go on and on. And I think what I 
what I love about talking to you is you enjoy and appreciate Disney history as much as I do. So I think, you know, there's people who love Disney parks and then there's people who love the parks and Disney history. So it's a whole other ball game. Absolutely. And that's, I, I appreciate and enjoy the same about chatting with you. Uh, Mm -hmm. I find that even the first time we spoke and we talked about Disney history, I was, to your point, you you know, people love Disney and you know, people know the details and there's, usually a, another layer a deeper layer of disney knowledge and you threw mm-hmm. some facts out there from yeah. <laughs> that that's you know deeper part of the the disney uh history yeah. and culture and i was definitely impressed and i'm thinking this is someone i need to get back yeah. on the show thank you. <laughs> thank you it's a compliment absolutely um yeah. so Awesome. Well, I'm I'm glad you're you're still around, and although you you are now with uh, Kingdom Insider, which is a an even better you know step oh, up, yeah. and it's you know like you said, fate definitely stepped in there. I'm glad we still have the opportunity to do these shows together, and I know we'll probably be doing more in the future. But um, let's just start at a high level. The Haunted Mansion is. There are haunted houses all over the world, and especially... By the way, I will yeah. not go into a haunted house. I don't like them when they pop up around Halloween. Literally, the Haunted Mansion is the only haunted thing I go to. So this is how we're very similar as well, because yeah. I'm not a fan of horror, no. and I am a scaredy cat with with uh, any type of uh, like horror movies or haunted houses, so I'm totally the same way, and... Yeah, I, I mean, during Halloween, you have haunted houses pop up all over the place, and I'm one of those people who. I, don't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've gone to one or two, been forced to back in college or high school with my friends, and yeah. uh, survived it, but didn't uh, didn't go back. Um, but wh- what do you think makes the haunted mansion such a beloved attraction and and different from uh, a lot of the other haunted houses that are out there? Um, Well, and I think it's even different from most of the rides at Disney parks where they have, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean and Small World where there's a big story, but it's different in that um, one, I think it's really personal. So you have the voice of Paul Fries, who's the narrator, and that he's literally in your ear the whole ride, the, the ghost host. So it really makes it a personal experience where, you know, the other rides are just like you're in the ride, you're in the moment, but you literally have a ghost host talking in your ear. So it's like you're on an individual tour of the mansion. Um, so I think that alone separates it from any haunted house and really any other ride in Disney parks or theme parks and again i am big on nostalgia and disney nostalgia and i think that nostalgia factor is what gets people in the haunted mansion it's you know and again i've never been in disneyland but it's um i imagine the one in disneyland is even so much more nostalgic than the one in florida Walt worked on that in Disneyland. So it's something that even though he passed by the time it opened, you know, his opinion and his everything he said up until that point where he passed is incorporated in that ride. I mean, that's kind of where Walt Disney and that's I'm excited to get to uh, Disneyland, but that's where Walt Disney World, you know, some of his opinions are still there. But Walt worked with the Imagineers directly on this ride. So I think it's a nostalgic factor. And I also think that in many ways it just pays tribute to Walt's enthusiasm of uh, storytelling. And he knew that fear was one of the basic human emotions that a great storyteller plays on. So I just think the whole ride in general pays tribute to Walt, his storytelling and his Imagineers. There were so many amazing Imagineers that worked on this ride. So I think that's why it stands out and is definitely one of the most beloved rides in Disney parks. 
I totally agree. And it's amazing. And you're totally right that (laughs) it's one of those rides where because it is connected to Walt, it's in the same caliber as Pirates of the Caribbean, the Carousel of Progress, the Tiki Room, Room, (laughs) all of those classic attractions, Jungle Cruise. There's a lot that Walt had his hands in and that makes it extra special. And this was unfortunately one of the last, to your point, he passed before the attraction opened, which it, it opened at Disneyland August 9th in 1969. And what's amazing and what I think not many people know is this attraction was in development since the early 1950s and before Disneyland even opened. And it was meant Mm -hmm. to be in the original design of the park. And it, it definitely went through a lot of turmoil and changes and looks very different from what the original concept was. But... It is something that, again, Walt was really closely tied to. And, and perhaps that's where we go to next uh, before we even get to some of the Imagineers. Mm-hmm. I, I know that Walt, to your point, knew that horror was <clears throat> one of the core Disney emotions and wanted right. that to be featured in Disneyland. How much did Walt contribute to the Haunted Mansion? Was it something that he just sort of directed for the Imagineers to take over? Did he have more of a direct say in the story? I mean, how involved was Walt with this project? Right. So, you know, first of all, and if you think about back to Walt's storytelling and how he played on emotions like fear, he was, Walt was no stranger to kind of like the dark concepts. So you think of Snow White and um, even the, what is, I'm I'm getting the name, but the dancing skeleton, uh, silly symphony. So he always, there was a little bit of darkness, which is great as a storyteller um, and people attract to that. So he had that. And then he also, he, I want to say he knew how to appoint the perfect people for each each position. I mean, he knew the people who worked for him, his Imagineers, what their strengths were. And that was Walt's strength was, was being able to not, you know, to hand over control, but place the right people in charge. And even sometimes those Imagineers might not have known at the time why they were being put on a job or why they were working with this Imagineer, but Walt knew, and he had a reason for everything he did. So although he wasn't specifically, you know, at the drawing board and everything, he set up all the key players in place. And, um, and we'll get into all those Imagineers who were involved, but he was the deciding factor or the deal breaker. You know, they never made the executive decision. They would present everything to Walt and he would tell them how to change it around. He would, you know, he was known for staying up all night, thinking about summit, something, coming back to the Imagineer the next day. And the Imagineer would notice Walt didn't even go home. He was up all night thinking about the concept that was pitched to him the day before. So he was kind of like the deal breaker and executive decision maker of at least this ride, because he had those right Imagineers in place. It definitely was one of Walt's strengths. And Mm -hmm. to your point, you know, it was the same with the movies. In the beginning with Snow White, he was incredibly involved with the whole process. Every single print was in front of Walt, but and at a I think point, as he wasn't. went on he yeah I think as he went on he realized how big everything was becoming and you know Snow White essentially built the studio so then he had that and I just think he was very good at I don't want to say letting go of control because he still had it but just appointing the right people in the position absolutely and, mm-hmm. and that definitely is is a, a lot of Walt's contribution. And in the beginning, I know he had a 
a, a kind of a say in what inevitably ended up being a, a core theme yes. of the attraction, which was this idea of the Haunted Mansion being a retirement home for ghosts. And he went to London and actually did a, a press event there um, when when still talking about Disneyland and talked about the Haunted Mansion. And although I didn't think at the time it had officially that name, and, right. but this Haunted House project and mm-hmm. how there was it was going to be a retirement home and i know he referenced specifically some of the uh the ghosts from world war ii uh, yeah, which yeah. is this is still about a decade after uh, the end of world war ii um and anyone else who wanted to retire to the haunted mansion and that translated even later on to a a preview that marty scar put together who uh, is one the of my mansion. favorite imagineers it's anyway but on, yeah it's hard yeah. not to love marty sklar i know <laughs> <laughs> um miss that man so he, yeah, I mean, Walt definitely had a say in all of that. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about the original concept, sure. because originally when the park was going to, when, when Disneyland was being designed and Walt was creating it, they were thinking of putting the Haunted Mansion on Main Street. Yes, which I know, um, you know, he had assigned the Imagineer Ken Anderson to create a story using Harper Goff's sketch and that Harper Goff had actually drew like a, a little side street with a crooked house. And so he knew that, um, it couldn't belong on Main Street, though. I think once it started to evolve, because he really turned down the idea of a rundown building in his park, which obviously, rightfully so, of course, this man was a genius in the concept. You know, I feel like at that time, maybe even no one else understood the concept of what Main Street USA was going to be except him. So the the way they transitioned it was okay. We're going to have this little side street, and that's kind of like how New Orleans Square came to be with with Pirates of the Caribbean, kind of in between Main Street and. Fantasyland. Yeah, and I know that originally uh, it was a similar story, and I talked about it in the episode about Pirates of the Caribbean. The Haunted Mansion was going to be a walkthrough attraction, which that gets me. I can't. <laughs> which you know, I, I know they were going to do a walkthrough, and I Walt was never completely sold on the walkthrough idea because. Right. You know, they did a walkthrough tour of Sleeping Beauty Castle, or um, yeah, Sleeping Beauty Castle, and that wasn't really what he thought it was, and so it wasn't a huge success. And then also, and we'll get into this with the Doom Buggies later and everything, but there was crowd control, and you can't get that many people going through walking. So he wasn't completely sold, although it was uh, up until the last year or two of development, it was a walking ride. There was no other way, even though he wasn't really sold on that. Yeah, it's it's. A good decision that they decided not to, and, and all the circumstances that led them to make that decision were. Which was meant to be us. because all those delays and everything, the timing with the omnivore system and the doom buggies, I mean, that technology wasn't out when they originally started the concept of this ride. So everything happens for a reason, and that's how we have the doom buggies now. That's right. And I know yeah. we're still, you know, we're, we're talk we're going to be talking about history for a little bit because there's definitely a lot to this. And part uh, so you mentioned obviously Ken Anderson who was working mm-hmm. on the original concept and yes. probably the first official story or backstory that came out for the Haunted Mansion was the legend of Captain Gore. Oh, yes. And I was Thinking as I was, I know you and I both went to our Jason Sorrell Haunted Mansion book because there's mm-hmm. an entire book devoted to the Haunted Mansion, which just to give you an idea of how much 
de- how many details and how much backstory there is for, right. for one attraction. Um, and as I was reading this and, and refreshing, I was remembering in the interactive queue the uh, captain that is uh, in the drowning. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I wonder if that's connected. Mm-hmm. And then sure enough, later in the book, I read that that is the inspiration was from the original storyline for you the Legend know, of Captain Gore. Everything has a story in Disney World. So I even know. or Disney. So even the queue, there was, yeah. That's a, no, um, a nod to the Legend of Captain Gore, which it was going to be um, Old Gore Mansion. It was supposed to be named after the sea captain who, you know, brought his wife there. And it's just first, it wasn't even going to be the Haunted Mansion. That's the crazy thing. It was some something totally different. I know. And I would encourage I'm not going to read through the entire story because it does take up an entire a big page in in the book, but and it does involve um, butlers walking you through. I mean, the concept is really unique, and I, I mean, I wish there were a way to to you know maybe D twenty three or something could do a thing where you kind of can live some of these early concepts of the haunted mansion. That's right, and it it was interesting how it this original story did tie almost into. Pirates of the Caribbean, and there was yes. going to be a lot of uh, symmetry in New Orleans Square with those two attractions, and how Captain Gore was a, uh, a pirate, um, mm-hmm. and his his uh, bride to be Priscilla at one point during the story was going to discover this treasure chest and discover that um, you know her husband was uh, or her husband to be was was truly this pirate and you know we were going to be in the middle of the story and see how he inevitably ended up um basically taking her life as as a result of right, her right. finding this out and it was obviously taking a, a dark turn and while disney was no stranger to the dark as you mentioned earlier it is interesting mm-hmm. how it is really closely tied to more of a traditional haunted house story, but having a very right. particular storyline laid out. Which is a whole other topic we'll get to about the story. The, That's <laughs> that right. Story That's yep. right. Um, now, I know, uh, you know, there there were other stories that were put into development as mm-hmm. well. We had Bloodmere Manor. Um, yes. We had Welcome to Walt's Place. Which, which could you believe? Yeah, it would, it would be Walt himself on tape welcoming. I mean, I just can't even... I don't know. I can't see him even entertaining that idea because we saw Walt, you know, on World of Disney on our TVs, the way he would introduce himself and, you know, everyone's living room, basically. But I just can't imagine him narrating a ride or having like a spooky, creepy kind of voice. You know, in a way, I feel like that. Well, I agree with you would have made the attraction even more coveted because they would have Walt's voice. Yes, but absolutely. Although it would be hard to do updates. They would have to find, just like they find voice actors for, uh, obviously with Paul Freeze, they they mm-hmm. tapped Corey Burton to do any updated Corey Freeze, narr- uh, Corey Freeze, Paul Freeze narrations. And with the case of Rod Serling, Mark Silverman stepped in because both, you know, Paul Freeze and Mark Silverman right. are not around. And I wonder if they were going to, uh, maybe enlist Tom Hanks to do, <laughs> to do oh, Walt gosh. Disney's voice yep. if they ever had to do an update. But... I, I thought where it took a positive turn was when, although it didn't end up going this way, the Imagineers thought to their Fantasyland roots and their Dark Ride roots and tried to tie it back to actual Disney movies and stories and mm-hmm. looked to The Headless Horseman. Which is one of my favorite movies. I have that on Disney DVD. Ichabod yes. Crane and The Headless. I mean, my kids watch it. We watch it every fall. It's like... 
it's so underrated and I love that Disney now with, you know, not so scary. They have the headless horseman. They have the sleepy hollow quick service. I mean, every time I see those, I just think of this beloved movie. Absolutely. And I, I totally agree, by the way. I watched that a lot as a kid. It's and so I continue good. To. It's, it's really, and it's tied with Mr. Toad. You have Ichabod yes. and Mr. Toad. So two mm-hmm. classic, uh, well, not two classic Disney attractions. Now it would I'm going to be singing in my head, merrily, merrily, merrily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, my wife and I were literally watching that on our television the other day. Just the song, just and singing mm-hmm. along to it it's because so we love it. Um, so, you know, we did obviously end up on a story, but this is probably a good point to talk a little bit more about the Imagineers who were involved because yes. there were some. There were several. There were uh, big names, <laughs> too. We had Claude Coates. We had Mark Davis, Raleigh Crump, Yale Gracie. Um, and Xavier Atencio, all very famous legendary Imagineers, worked on a lot yes, of attractions. And they each had their own specific thing that they were very good at, which is why they were placed on this, uh, you know, job. This ride was because of their unique talents in That's certain right. areas. That's right. And I love how the to talk a little bit about the teamwork of Raleigh Crump and Yale Gracie. Yeah. They were. You know, as you talked about earlier, Walt understanding who was good at what and had and, to be a master for these teams. He knew their their past. It's like I don't know what other. I guess he was their employee. It's so weird to just call Walt like my employer. Um, but he knew their history. So both of you know uh, the Imagineers he put in place, um, Crump and Gracie, like they had experience with magic and mystery and things of that. And that's really why he put them in that place to set up all the illusions and everything in the Haunted Mansion. That's right. And if you think about their uh, experience, like you said, they both were were illusioneers and they spent about a decade tinkering these I mean, can you imagine... A That's decade. A long time. Like they had a room at the studio where they just built these, I guess, mini sets. And actually, when I was um, going through that book today, I thought it was so funny how a lot of the janitors at the Disney yes. company <laughs> wouldn't even go in the room where they were where they were mocking up these ride the ride because they were so scared. I and then one night, one did, up. and they found like a janitor's broom left in the middle of the room, like he had just ran out. I know it's it's. Uh, I was really hoping you'd bring up that story because if you didn't, I yeah. was going to. Um, I love that the Imagineers, both these Imagineers had a good sense of play um, and were, were kind of pranky. It, it reminds me a little bit of The Office. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> um, so and I know, you know, Raleigh Crump in particular. So he worked on projects like It's a Small World and he mm-hmm. was very notorious for creating these. Um, I forgot what he called them. Do you remember the name? They were uh, there was definitely a term he gave to them. But basically, these uh, mobiles. Uh, I'll have to go back into the book and see if I can find it. But well, he called himself a kinetic sculptor. Yes, is what, yes, that's what it is. Um, and so that's why the you know even the facade of it's a small world is so iconic is because of Raleigh Crump's work, and he created a a design of the haunted mansion with all of these really strange and weird effects very different from what the Imagineers had conceived and I I love how you know when you're reading the story again you hear of Walt even calling Raleigh out on that and saying man this is weird stuff like what are we gonna do with this (laughs) exactly and Raleigh admitting like I have no idea right um 
And I love how the next day Walt comes in and talks to Raleigh again and says, you know, you know, dang it. I've been thinking about this all night. You've had me up thinking about it. And I finally know what we're going to do with it and inevitably thinks of, although it didn't end up coming to be the entrance slash exit where people would come and go to officially enter or exit the ride and you would see all these sort of mysterious and weird uh, effects and illusions to get you into right. the, the mood and the spirit of this haunted environment. I know. I know. It's just crazy how I I just can't get over you would be walking through all of this. I mean, it's just the, um, what did they call it? The House of Weird, I think was the original name. Uh, no, Museum of the Weird was yes. what they were going to call it. Yep. And I know that when they were thinking of that design, obviously the, the you know the attractions at especially Disneyland, there is the the berm around Disneyland, and the show buildings are typically mm-hmm. these large buildings built behind the berm with uh, you know trees all over the berm, so you can't really see them, so you really get the full illusion that you're just entering that mansion in New Orleans Square, or just entering right. that that building uh, for Pirates of the Caribbean in New Orleans Square, or in the case of Indiana Jones Adventure, just entering that small temple, not seeing those big buildings. And because of the scale, and because they wanted this to be a quote-unquote people eater, they were planning to create two identical walkthrough uh, experiences so that they could send people one way or another, which interestingly enough is how they ended up creating the stretching room um, right. and things yes. like the future, you know, the, the Walt Disney World version of Space Mountain. But they were really trying to plan how to craft this experience to have people walk through it. And it really is complicated at the end of it the is, day. It, it really is. And they had, when you think about it, compared to Disney World, the limited space they had it still have at Disneyland that even, you know, limited them so much more than how do we move all these people through? That's right. It's really, it's really difficult to do that in a small space. Um, so we did have a couple of other Imagineers involved, and I know that like Raleigh Crump and Yale Gracie were on on the special effects team, and we can thank right. them for these practical effects that are honestly still convincing today. Oh yeah, um, I still, I mean, even though I've I've read it and I've Googled it a hundred times, how they do like the ballroom scene, I I still don't know. I mean, I know, but I don't. It still gets me every time. I know. We need to do a backstage tour. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. So that was that was sort of the special effects team in, in corner A. And then in corner B, right. we have Claude Coates and Mark mm-hmm. Davis. Do you want to talk a little bit about sure. – I love this story. But do you want to talk a little bit about the dynamics between these two? Yeah, definitely. So Mark da- – I'll start with Mark. He was more – first of all, he was one of Walt's nine old men. So, um, And he was also the lead artist on the Enchanted Tiki Room and the Jungle Cruise. So he was very familiar, worked side by side with, with Walt. Walt trusted him tremendously. He was um, – a natural with audio animatronics, which is one of the reasons why Walt and eventually Mark was on Pirates as well. Um, and Pirates ended up being finished before Haunted Mansion. But he was a natural when it came to the movements and the science, the technology of audio animatronics. Um, he also focused more on creating, and this is why I love him as an Imagineer, more whimsical, ghostly characters. So he was more like he wanted the Haunted Mansion to be a little more on the funny side. Um, and less scary. So he, Mark Davis is the one responsible for the characters and their personalities, really. So he gave life to the 999 Happy Haunts is because of Mark Davis. 
Um, and then we have Claude Coates, who he was an experienced background artist, um, and he focused more on the design and the interior. He constructed, you know, lavish sets that Mark Davis's ghost would eventually materialize in. And um, he was more on the darker, wanting the ride to be a little scarier and dark, whereas I said Mark Davis wanted it a little more on the fun side. Yeah, and it's great that, to your point, Walt put those two together with even their talents, like you said, Mark, focusing more on characters and scenarios and Claude being more of an expert in um, backdrops and Mm -hmm. uh, in the general setting for an environment. And I know after Walt passed and they ended up getting closer to the final version of the Haunted Mansion, there was a real discrepancy between these two with Claude wanting that darker haunted house experience, thinking people are going to come to the Haunted Mansion and expect horror and and, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of scares. And Mark Davis is thinking, we are Disney and we need to be more lighthearted. And it makes so much sense. This is one of the things I love about the Haunted Mansion. And when I learned this the first time and then wrote it again, it it makes sense. Yeah, once you know that. The compromise was, and Claude Coates was going to be responsible for the first half, and Mark Davis was going to be responsible for the second half. So that's Mm -hmm. why, you know, sort of Act One and uh, going into Act Two of the attraction, we don't see the ghosts, but we get these eerie feelings and these paranormal experiences and by by really by the extravagant sets that we're we're riding through that's right it's it's definitely giving you that setting and as the happy haunts begin to materialize Mm. we sort of culminate into the mark davis end of it and you know culminates with the uh you know grim grinning ghost song which we'll also talk about uh and that's when you ride it next time just think about that and you can almost see the moments where it shifts from claude to mark Right. And it's crazy how when Walt passed, you know, that December of 1966, they I mean, it was obviously a tremendous loss. But now these Imagineers have lost the man who was their tiebreaker. He was the executive decision maker. And so they never had to make those decisions because they relied on him. And so he wasn't there now. And that just kind of threw them all, uh, you know, for a loop. And I know Richard Irvine, who was the vice president at WED at the time, he he kept Coates and Davis in charge because at that time Pirates of the Caribbean, which they were both together on, became such a huge success. He was like, oh, well, obviously this is going to be a win-win. This ride, that, you know, lightning is going to strike twice. But because Pirates was such a big success, there was kind of like that struggle for lead Imagineer. Like they didn't think they should be sharing the job. It was, the, one of them wanted to be the lead on it. So that kind of created the conflict and the friction, um, which led to the debate of funny or scary. And we have both. So it worked out for all of us park guests. It sure did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love I love that backstory. It's it's yeah. really a, a true testament to how the attraction turned out. Um, and I guess this is probably a good place to maybe talk about story a little bit, and then perhaps we'll we'll do sort of a, a walk through of the uh, of the mansion and kind of talk sure. about it a bit. And this is even why I think it's such a beloved ride is that every character, you know, there's the legend of the hatbox ghost, and there's the there's the bride, there's all these little characters 
within the ride that you love their story. I mean, I love the bride. I love that whole, that I love that whole scene. I love at the end of Walt Disney world. She's telling me to hurry back. I love that. And I just connect with that character. So I think that's one of the reasons it's so popular. It really is. And I've heard different versions of the story and it mm-hmm. almost is akin to the tree of life where there is a, a mythology around it. But do you, I'm, I'm curious to get your version. If you were to describe if, someone came up to you and asked, do you know the story of the Haunted Mansion in its current form? How would you describe the story? In its current form? um, You know, I've never been asked that question or actually thought about it. It's funny because I know bits and pieces of it. I know that when you are coming from in Disney World, the ballroom scene, and your doom buggy starts to tilt backwards and you're going, you know, you're falling back into the graveyard scene. That's actually you as the guest essentially dying. You're becoming one of the haunted mansion guests. So like, I know those little bits and pieces of it. And that's how I would describe it is kind of like you're a guest walking in and you're getting a tour, but not knowing that you're actually becoming a permanent resident of the haunted mansion. It's a good way to describe it. And I think part of the confusion is the fact that there are multiple storylines that are intertwined into the attraction. And there is the the bride story, which... Constance. That's right, Constance. (laughs) And we know Constance was... They gave more life to it when they updated her visually in the attic scene. She is a murderous bride who uh you know is is killing off her husbands and uh stealing their wealth and inevitably as you pass through her in the attic to your point you end up being her next victim and you fall out the attic and that's why when you pass into the graveyard the caretaker is looking not at the ghost spooked but is looking into the doom buggies right at you and is spooked because you are now one of the 999 Mm -hmm. happy haunts (laughs) And the other side of this is the original Walt vision, which is the the 999 happy haunts living happily in this retirement home. And I once even heard a cast member saying this to a, a child who was scared and didn't want to go into the mansion that all the ghosts are celebrating a birthday party, which is why when you pass through... Um, the ballroom, they are, you see someone blowing out the candles on a cake because it's that person's birthday. Um, And I'm sure that there are even more Well, it's just crazy. No other Disney ride in all the parks, I think, has these multiple storylines. You know, Splash Mountain is very, it's one one storyline. Pirates is kind of a few, I guess, but it's basically, you know, it's really Haunted Mansion is the only one that there's so many versions of it within the ride in its current state right now yeah and of course we didn't even talk about master gracie who i know (laughs) uh, go figure it's his mansion i know it's his mansion and obviously is uh named after yale gracie in part um or a whole and he has a really interesting storyline as well which to be honest i don't even know the official story i've heard that he was one of constance's um you know, uh, husbands to be, um, but he ended up hanging yes. himself and sort of ending the the cycle, or that he was um, like. But the- he's not. Let me ask you this: so, 
you would think like in the stretching room in the beginning where there's the character that hangs himself and the ceiling. So, but that's not, the ghost host is not Master Gracie, correct? Correct. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, they are so two separate there characters. there would be confusion there. Okay. And I think part of the confusion around the ghost host, to be honest, is the fact that at one point he was going to be a true apparition. Mm-hmm. And also Master Gracie and, uh, sorry, the ghost host is sort of an evolution of the the butler or um whoever well, was going to be Davis the guy essentially got rid of you know did away with the actual butler because there was going to be a silent one who just kind of shuffled people through and mark davis was the one that came up with the concept of the ghost host that that right. voice that's right and at some point yeah. he was also going to be and it's still there in part uh, a raven that was going to follow you around the mansion and you see him now yeah at madame leota's room and at the end of the attraction um but otherwise you know in at some form at some points the ghost host was going to be embodied in a raven right that was as going the to raven throughout mm-hmm. the attraction um yeah it's a it's a very interesting uh storyline again it's it's it and i think that goes back to the history that there were these these vast different ideas for what the haunted mansion was going to be and pieces of each one of those in some way ended up in yes. the attraction um so let's talk about the the uh, you know sort of like a walkthrough of, sure. of the haunted mansion and i'll focus specifically at at i'll start with disneyland only because um that was the one that was built first and mm-hmm. it is themed to new orleans square these two are, are pretty much similar but the uh you know um, the design for this actually was mostly inspired, and if you go look this up on on Google, it is a striking striking resemblance. It almost looks like construction footage of Haunted Mansion. It I is, know. <laughs> um, called the Shipley Lidecker House in Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah, they looked for all these different haunted houses, and I know that part of the reason Walt even went to the UK was to study and look at castles and manors around the countryside to get inspiration for this And this house. is still how Imagineers to this day, I mean, if you hear about how they built Everest and everything, they oh, still yeah. go to all these places. It's so immersive and in detail of how they these, these rides come to be and then they travel and all the research they do. That's right. Um, yeah, so they, they actually do have this, this uh, they have real inspiration. And a Walt was meticulous about wanting the, although it's a haunted mansion or haunted house, to have the exterior of the mansion still seem well kept. And I think even mm-hmm. as he put it, we'll take care of the outside, we'll let the ghosts take care of the inside. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so it, it still, it didn't look too out misplaced in Disneyland and still had a, a, a striking and clean appearance, which is why... Um, Christy, when you do go to Disneyland, you'll notice that the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland looks a lot cleaner. It, it has a very like it pristine really does. exterior. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. And we have, similar to New Orleans culture and history, there are crypts rather than graves. So mm-hmm. that, but a lot of the same verbiage and rhymes, um, you know, Master Gracie laid to rest no morning, he please, at his request. <laughs> we could talk about I our favorites. I love all those tombstones, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Dear Departed Brother Dave chased a bear into a cave. I love, they're just so fun. They honestly are so funny. You could tell that. I have uh, a little set that Disney uh, Parks, I think it was like a few years ago for Halloween, they put out like a three set uh, tombstones and I have them out almost all year because I love them. <laughs> <laughs> they are so clever. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, that that is the, the uh, you know, exterior for the New Orleans Square, the Disneyland version, and it, it, it kind of ends in the stretching room. And, uh, you know, in the foyer is probably the last place where you notice a, a real striking difference. There are some subtle differences, and mm-hmm. we could get into the details. Uh, I don't think we need to go too into detail as far as what those differences are once you pass the foyer. But that kind of ends the Disneyland version in terms of differences, whereas with the Haunted Mansion in Walt Disney World at the Magic Kingdom, instead of taking place in New Orleans, when the Imagineers were designing the Magic Kingdom, it was right. getting close to uh, America's bicentennial. And instead yeah. of building New Orleans Square, they wanted to build Liberty Square to pay tribute to that. And I think that's inevitably how they ended up on the 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 location in in its in its uh, storyline, which I for can't imagine Liberty Square not being there. So I know. you know, like if they had done New Orleans, I mean, I just can't imagine that. So what was interesting though is how you know they knew they just have it down to a science. I just can't imagine any other theme park being like, well, we have to change the whole facade because when when the Disneyland ride was being built, they built the ride for Disney World knowing they were going to put this there. So doubles were made of everything and then everything for the Walt Disney World ride was put into storage (laughs) until they needed it. So, you know, I and I'm guessing when they were making the doubles and replicas of everything to Disneyland, I don't think at the time they knew they were going to have to redo the entire outside structure. I don't think so either. I, I, right. I'm not sure if they knew that. Um, but it is it is interesting how they kept that in mind. Yeah. And then to know where, um, you know, the aesthetic of. And, and this really gets me because, you know, I'm from Connecticut. And so New York, Sleepy Hollow, uh, Terrytown, all those historic towns on the Hudson River kind of played a role in building the Haunted Mansion Disney World. So because they went with Liberty Square and more of a New England type um, colony feel, they went with some of the mansions on, you know, the Hudson River for inspiration, which I, I love because that whole area in the fall, it, all year round is beautiful. But then when you think about it and you think of these like gothic type mansions and Tudor style homes, it definitely is the one they built in Walt Disney World. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the first time I learned a lot of this history, to be honest, was the Keys to the Kingdom tour, which I've been screaming at the top of my lungs for the past couple of months with how amazing a tour that is. But it, it is. <laughs> what really blew my mind, and uh, you know, this is probably going to be part of a Frontierland episode at some point, is how the Rivers of America is designed. And that right, right. we move literally across America as we move I across know. the Rivers of America from New Mexico with uh, Pecos Bill. Um, yep. Through Texas with the Country Bear Jamboree, cross. And now that you know that, you think it every time you're there. Exactly, every single time. And and why the the sidewalk is brown and Liberty Square and everything, you know, that runs through. It's these little details that a normal person just wouldn't pick up on. It's just crazy that these Imagineers thought this out that much. Exactly, and then it ends in New York with the Hudson River and the Haunted Mansion. And I know that they, the Imagineers, intentionally designed the exterior of the Haunted Mansion in the Magic Kingdom to look a little more intimidating because there were upset parents who said the Disneyland version didn't fully prepare yes, they their kids. Were warned, right. Yeah, and how even the, the and I was amazed when I even read this that, and it makes so much sense that the, because uh, the, the Magic Kingdom version did intimidate me as a kid. Um, 
as far as the structure that mm-hmm. the outside is almost designed with those two wings as like a claws that are kind of yeah. coming at you and that it definitely when you look at it has a very scary eerie appearance and definitely prepares you for what to expect inside oh yeah absolutely plus at the time when they had the the wolf effects which i miss and the thunder and lightning mm-hmm. effects in the evening i know <laughs> they don't have the wolf effect you're right no, they got rid of it i miss oh. that so much yeah i could hear it across Frontierland. I can. Oh man! Now you're bringing me back. The nostalgia <laughs> hitting of the of the noises. I didn't even know when they got rid of it, but at a certain point, I remember waiting in line, and I'm thinking, I haven't heard the wolf in a while yeah, at all that's today. Yeah, so crazy. And and I haven't heard it since. Hmm. But you obviously walk through the queue, and that's where again it's very similar to Disneyland, but graves instead of the the crypts. And now let you, me ask you: yeah. Are you a fan of the? reimagined outdoor queue area with all the interactives i am because it adds more to it right and it adds a lot more history including you know going back to the legend of captain gore uh i find it to be an entertaining way to move through the queue i think so too i I like it it's very consistent with the story Mm-hmm. There's even a whole murder mystery. I don't know if you know with the. No, I the, didn't know that. Yes, there's a whole murder mystery in the interactive queue. Oh. <laughs> we very actually interesting. we talked about it very very briefly in the best cues at Walt Disney World episode. Mm-hmm. So, I I recommend checking it out. Just look it up. There is a murder mystery, and the next time you go, check I it out. I know about it now. Yeah, <laughs> I will. Um. Then obviously you enter into the foyer and this is where we get that famous narration that begins with when hinges creak in doorless oh, chambers. Thing right now. Plus I'm thinking now it's the middle of the summer that cold air conditioning is just such a relief. Doors <laughs> open in the AC comes out. Yes. Blast that chilling, eerie, ghostly atmosphere. And I was amazed when I learned because I used to think that that portrait in there was Master Gracie, but it's just one of the 999 happy haunts that right. goes from a uh, a young adult to a skeleton, <laughs> in short. <laughs> um, and then you kind of go into one of the two uh, stretching rooms. Yeah. And here's probably another difference. I'm sure you know the difference between Disneyland and Walt Disney World here. Well, I thought I did earlier today. I texted you. So, yes, here is where in Disneyland, because they were limited with space, the floor is actually that stretching room. The people are going down where in Disney World, the the wall is actually we stay stationary because they had so much room when they built the show building and the ride that we're actually staying still. And and the room is is stretching where in Disneyland they're going down. That's right. It's really fascinating that that happens. And I can tell you, when you go to Disneyland, you can feel it. All really? of a sudden, you feel a slight little, almost like being in a large freight elevator yeah. that moves very slowly, which is pretty much what it is. Yeah. And you can feel it go down and then <clears throat> kind of uh, get back huh. into position at the bottom level. And you can also see it just a little bit. Actually, there is a way to see it. Okay. But uh-huh. otherwise, you would not be able to tell the difference right. between the two. Um from there, this is where there's, again, a slight deviation from uh, Disneyland and Walt Disney World. In Disneyland, you kind of walk through an extra corridor, but in the Magic Kingdom version, you end up <clears throat> loading onto the vehicles, into yes. the doom buggies. Um, and perhaps this is a good time to talk about those doom buggies, because we mm-hmm. haven't talked about it yet. We know that yeah. um, you know Bob Gurr, John Hench, the two of them were also Imagineers involved with the Haunted Mansion and many other attractions. 
I love Bob Gurr has a quote. If it, if there's a vehicle at Disneyland, I probably designed it. I, I'm just quoting <laughs> yes. him. But well, what's crazy is how Bob got basically the idea to create that by a piece of fruit. That's right. <laughs> if you know the story, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? I do know the story, yeah, sure. but I'd love to hear it from you. Um, so Bob Gurr, uh, one of the Imagineers, you know, he was in John Hench's office one day and they were discussing, they both worked for WED at the time and they were, they had come back from the, um, you know, World's Fair, which the World's Fair in New York, as anyone knows, Walt was extremely involved in it. It was a big gamble. It's a whole other story in itself, how Disney was involved. Um, but that delayed the Haunted Mansion a couple years and caused the switch of a couple Imagineers to go on the project and go off. So they were both coming back from the World's Fair and they were talking about, um, what they had learned and they, um, John, I was reading this today. I just couldn't believe it. John Hench had a plastic apple sitting on his desk and he was spinning it around by the stem. And that's where the rot, the concept of the doom buggy came to be where they were like, we need to create a, a car for a ride that spins just like this apple right here does. It's amazing how the simplest things I posted about this the other day too. The simplest things are inspiration yes. for a lot of right. what we and see. And of course, they had the people mover already, so they kind of went off that topic. But literally, a plastic apple became the idea of the omnivore, the doom buggy that we know today. That's right. Yep. It's yeah. It's, it's literally just a an apple on top of a people mover. <laughs> and it's crazy too if you think about it that originally Yale Gracie wanted. Uh, you know, once they decided not to do a walkthrough, he had drawn up plans to make it a water, like a boat ride, like a yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean type ride. So, and again, this technology really, I mean, Disney had to create the dune buggies, the omnivores, but it hadn't been created. So they didn't have anything to go off of it. And then just two men talking about the World's Fair in an office one day, and then a plastic apple gave them, otherwise it would have been a boat ride. I know. I actually kind yeah. of, I'd be curious to see what that would yeah, look like and whether it be a drop. Yeah. Would it be, if they, if they built it like Shanghai Disneyland's now, which I don't think would be a perfect fit, but they, right. they could do a lot with the water ride and there's a lot of other implications. I think they even were going to have a, like a, a partially sunken haunted house is really right. what was going to be. And that's the, the storyline for why you were in a boat in the first place is you're kind of navigating through this house that's partially sunken tying back into the legend of captain gore that original story and we board the omnimover so that's that's how we we board our our, our apple on top of a people mover and <laughs> move through the portrait uh, uh through the uh, this hallway with these portraits that where the eyes sort of seem to to follow you as you move through the hallway and the which is now where the strikes. new photo, the memory maker is in that hallway, which I didn't know, and now I know. <laughs> I'm ready prepared. for it next time. Yeah, everybody, be prepared. That's yep. where you take your picture. Um, it makes sense though. You have lightning. It just makes sense to have a flash there. It's such perfect. Uh... Well, it makes sense now, but yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> I know yeah. you wouldn't think it's at the beginning of the attraction. I know. Unless What's it's rock crazy and roller too, coaster. It's going back to when they, you know, created the doom buggy. It was all of these effects. Most of them were designed for a walkthrough ride. So again, Imagineers had to go back to the drawing board and there were several um, scenes and effects and illusions that they had to recreate because now they had essentially a spinning car where people were going to see it at all angles. That's right. So yeah. they really had to think about that. Um, 
And here's, of course, where Yale Gracie and Raleigh Crump come into play with the fact that the portraits look like they are transforming from, you know, a, a, a sort of this woman who's just sitting there to Medusa and right. um, another woman lying down. And then she becomes this like tiger woman. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I know there's mythology to this and I am totally screwing up. Who's, 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 <laughs> I don't who's know. who? I'm not sure either. <laughs> um and one of my favorites is then the library, which is well stocked with uh, <laughs> some yes, books. Um, and the the that's such a clever and such a simple effect. How the 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 heads seem to follow you um, as you move through the room, and how right. the the effect is just um, you know this concave uh, design where it really is it does look like the busts are following you. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously the first half we're, we're going through Claude Coates' contribution uh, right. to the Haunted exactly. Mansion. Darker uh, and richer um, set designs. That's right. Um, one of my favorites, you know, you go past a, a piano where it looks like there's a ghost playing the piano yes. and then up through the... I loved that as a kid. I could not understand how they made that happen. I still, even though I understand it, can't I understand it. It's yep. so convincing that that is yeah. truly a ghost that's playing I mean, the piano. I mean, it's crazy with the technology today. And, you know, even the rides being built, all these things that it's like, you know, I just I, last weekend I did a VIP tour Academy Travel hosted us, but we, I did Flight of Passage for the first time. And, you know, you have this technology and the basics that they that these original Imagineers were doing still works, still holds up today. So it just shows you how ahead of the time they were. That's right. And how it does almost tie into sort of this primeval biological uh, you know, illusion that is essentially really tricking our human biology, um, yes. which is why it will always stand the test of time is it's not a digital projection that in 10 years is going to look old and right. fake, but is truly a a practical effect that will always hold up. It is never right. going to And it probably goes back to, you know, um, Crump and Gracie, how they were those illusionists. And that essentially is at the root of a, a magician or an illusionist like these, the, the way they create their tricks. And so they implemented that and they're still, that's why it really does stand the test of time. It's the basics of illusion, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's actually tricking your brain is yeah. really what it is, yeah. um, which is incredible. Uh, it's really it's really amazing and shows what 10 years of work will do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so do you know where the hidden Donald is? Oh, in the chair. Yeah. Right before the hall, the never ending hallway with the, you know, candelabra. Yes. Yes. Which I found mind. out on the Keys to the Kingdom tour eight years ago That's or else right. I didn't know there was a Donald. I did yes. too. I have to say, I love, I've done the Keys to the Kingdom tour three times. And the last time I did it, we had this tour guide who in theatrical performance narrated the Haunted Mansion sequence for us oh my and details to look out for. He was so full of energy. And this was in the middle of August, by the way, in the heat, in the sun at like oh 11 a.m. And he just... He worked as if he was on stage and it stuck because I have to say little details like that. When we were writing it, I remembered every single thing, partially right. because I was interested, but also the way he delivered it was yeah. so entertaining. Yes. And so, yeah, so that's exactly for those of you who are listening. That's that hallway with the candelabra. There are two chairs on each side. If you look at the one on the left, 
you can see the outline of Donald Duck, uh, his head, sort of as if he's looking at you um, in the chair, which is yes. amazing. And I love it because Donald doesn't get many shout outs. He doesn't. There's he no really hidden doesn't. Donald. I know. No. <laughs> you know, there's so actually. I love that. Uh, just to divert a little bit, there's technically one on Kilimanjaro Safaris. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm going to be riding that next weekend, though, so I'll have to look. It is. I will. I'll. I'll. I'll challenge you to think of it or try okay. to find it. And if you can't, just text me, and I'll. Okay. I'll, I'll let I you will. know what it is. And then, and then you'll 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 actually know immediately what it is once I tell you. Okay. <laughs> Everyone else, I'll send you the same assignment. If you want to know, <laughs> let me just reach out to me after you've tried. Um, reach out to me and let me know if you can find it. Um. So let's let's get to that transition point because I feel like this yeah. is a big moment where we enter the seance scene. I was going to say, Madame Leota is the yes. transition. Yeah, she is the transition. That's the first real embodied spirit, which is a whole other. I mean, I love the story of her. Let's go for it. Tell me yeah. the story of Madame Leota because I love it too. Yeah. So first of all, and it goes back and it's nothing against Walt. It was just the era, but you know, men ruled the imagine they ruled. There was like a, a dining room just for Walt and his Imagineers basically at the studio. So then you had club, these, you know, yeah, in the fifties, so, and it was the era you can't fault him for it. So, but then you had these women like a Mary Blair, uh, basically all the women in ink and paint because they brought these films to color to life. But, what Madame Leota is, is she was actually, um, one of the Imagineers that would work on the costumes. Uh, I'm trying, why can I, why is my name? Leota Tombs. Yes. How could I forget that name? So, <laughs> so perfect for Mahana Mansion. I know she was the inspiration for the face basically, because the voice was something totally different. But um, the face, yeah, was Leota Toombs, the woman who was behind the costuming of the sets and the attractions. Yeah, and I know that they were, you know, originally they had even someone else in mind, but they were doing these tests with Madame Leota, and they decided to use the face of Leota Toombs just as a test, and they ended up permanently used because that actually is the face of Leota Toombs. Yeah. And when you look at, you know, if you're listening and like hit Google real quick and and pull her up, her face, like the jawbone structure, everything, her cheeks, her eyebrows. First of all, you could never imagine anyone else being Madame Leota. And then she looks exactly like that. That is the woman in the in the crystal ball. That's right. Yeah. Now, the voice was different, though, because the voice was actually by Eleanor Audley. And she was um if you, you know, I've seen Cinderella, she was the wicked stepmother. And of course, my, one of my favorite characters in movies, she was the voice of Maleficent in That's Sleeping right. Beauty. So the voice is not Leota Toombs, but the faces. If you don't believe us, next time you write it, just close your eyes at that part. Yeah, you're you will gonna definitely hear Maleficent. Hear Maleficent. Yes, you will. <laughs> yeah. From the original Cinderella. I'm oh, sorry, Sleeping yeah. Beauty and from Cinderella. Um, so, actually, do you know where Leota Tumas does have her voice somewhere in the attraction? Do you know where? Now, would it be at, is it at the end, the hurry back bride or that's no? That's her. That's oh, her. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So they did use her voice. So she's the one that says hurry back, hurry back. So Leota Tumas' voice and Which her is face. kind of a more softer voice. That's right. Or maybe it's more quiet, but it's hurry back. It's very quiet and softer than Madame Leota in the seance room. That's right. That's right. Um, so great sequence with Madame Leota. Then we get to mm-hmm. the ballroom. 
Yes, which, which is my favorite, which is also my favorite part of the Not So Scary Parade is the ballroom dancers. Uh, yes. Yes, yeah. they are amazing. They um, are. I happen to love the um, the the graveyard uh, yes. ghost. That whole, shovels. I mean, that parade in general is off the charts, but that whole... <laughs> Haunted Mansion, oh my gosh, it's my favorite. But yeah, the ballroom scene as a kid, it just, it amazed. I can just remember coming into that part and sitting up in my doom buggy, my arm, my like gripping the handlebar in front of me, but just looking over and just like in awe. And I, I don't even remember being scared. I was never scared at the Haunted Mansion until the end where it said the ghost would follow you home. And I remember like going back to the Polynesian that night, making my parents check the room because I thought a ghost followed oh. us home. But other than that, like that ballroom scene just intrigued me from a, a little girl to this day. That's right. And now my kids will be like, mommy, it's your favorite part. And like they know I love it. So, you know, when you go to Disneyland, you need to go twice because you also need to go to see Haunted Mansion Holiday because oh, that ballroom scene is next level with Haunted Mansion really? Holiday. And they they truly decorate it almost as much probably as much as they do the exterior the whole first of all the whole attraction it almost seems like a totally different ride and it well, is I, wish in they, many ways. I know and i know they never will and there's a reason i'm sure but i wish they did it in disney world because we're fans of nightmare before christmas also mm-hmm. oh you gotta go so, I you gotta know. go and i was gonna say also in the ballroom scene they have the on the table the gingerbread house which they change every single year Yes, I saw a documentary around the holidays, one of those things, or maybe it was even just like an ABC special of the the bakers, what they do at Disney parks during the holidays. And that was one of them. They talked about the haunted, the gingerbread um, haunted house. That's right. Yeah. It's incredible. It, it really is. I'm not surprised there's a whole documentary. Right. <laughs> um, so from the ballroom, we then go into, and there's a lot of effects in there. And also, oh, I forgot yeah. to mention, that is the, the the classic example of the Pepper's Ghost effect. I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. I almost forgot to talk now, about that. the story of the organ, too, in the Disneyland? Well, the general story, but the Disneyland is like an original organ. Do you know that story? You know, I don't think I know this one. Okay, so um, I'm trying to think. So the organ was from, there was, um, okay, so at Disneyland, the pipe organ is, you know, played by the musician in the ballroom. It's the same organ used by James Mason as Captain Nemo in Disney's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. No the way. Same, same prop. It was modified to be used in the Haunted Mansion because really, and even to this day, Disney will tell you they don't really throw anything out. Um, they use it till they can. And so that was the organ from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. That's so brilliant. Yeah. And, and then, so of course, cool. the one, um, it's the original. Then the one in Disney World is a, a replica of the original. But right. it's crazy. That, that organ was Captain Nemo's. That's so cool. Yeah. I really had no idea. That's really, yeah, really I, cool. I should have known that. Or maybe I did <laughs> at some point, but that's that's amazing. Well, I feel like the organ doesn't get much credit because, you know, everyone's paying attention to how they make the ghosts and the ballroom scene that like the organ has a story in itself. Yeah, it, it sure does. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I had no idea. Um, well, yeah. now I'm going to really be thinking about that, especially next time I go to Disneyland. I'm going to be paying less attention to all the other effects I, I know well and, and paying yeah, more attention to that one. Yeah, checking out the organ knowing that it was in 20,000 leagues under the state. It's crazy. Incredible. Um, so anyway. Pepper's from, Ghost we were y- talking y- about. Yes, Pepper's <laughs> Ghost. Uh, so that's 
you know, we, we have evolutions of the Pepper's Ghost effect elsewhere, like in Tower of Terror and at Shanghai Disneyland. It's also employed in a couple of places um, and other other places around uh, the Disney parks. But it all began with the Haunted Mansion. And really, it's an old magician's trick, so it goes back even further than that. Um, but it's just a simple, simple effect with lights and mirrors. Um, yeah. Lights and glass, I should say. Lights and glass. And that's pretty much it. Right. Um, and mirrors, lights, glass, and mirrors. Uh, so from there we enter the attic, which is, mm-hmm. I think, looks like my Conferences. attic. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, filled yeah, with stuff. Everybody's attic. Well, probably yeah, especially if you've been married in the past two years, you have like all the wedding, just the boxes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And now it makes sense why Constance has all those things up there. True. Yeah. Um, but we see everything that she got, and there is a story. If you pay real close attention, you could see um, how she killed her husband. Yes. And what she got in return. Now in Disneyland, wasn't the attic scene where the hatbox ghost was? I believe so. I haven't, believe it or not, seen, because last time I went, I was there for the Haunted Mansion holiday version, so I haven't okay. seen the updated Hatbox Ghost effect, but I do believe it is in the attic. Okay, yeah. Um, or just past the attic. It's it's mm-hmm. right up there. Um, but in the Magic Kingdom version, we have the bride at the very end, and there are a lot of details up there. Oh, and yeah. I believe there are more Easter eggs than I know of. I have heard that there is a Jack Skellington somewhere in is there. Is there? I'm interested because I was thinking about the Easter eggs sitting in the Haunted Mansion, and I really couldn't think of that many. But I didn't know there was a Jack Skellington, possibly. Uh, I'll put it this way. I've heard. Okay. It's so dark in there, I've never seen. Right. So even like I'm looking at the far... Uh, you know, not the first, the first couple of, you know, not the first five feet, but ten feet away, and it yeah. is just so hard to to make out specific shapes. And there are some dolls back there. One mm-hmm. of them is supposed to be Jack Skellington. I have huh. not seen it though, so I'll I can't. Com- speak I'll try to the and confirm that. that next weekend for you. Yes, please do. Mm-hmm. And this is another reason I want a Haunted Mansion backstage tour. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to walk around and see what actually is there. Um, but then we got tossed out the attic and into the graveyard. And yes. here's where all of Mark Davis's creations exactly, come to life. Exactly. Yes. Um, and I know that, um, you know, X or Xavier Atencio is his mm-hmm. full name. Um, he had a big part in the uh, he was sort of a, you know, thrown into the position of a script writer for Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, right. And a songwriter, although he was not a songwriter, but he worked with George Bruns on Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and here's where we get that song that is stuck in everybody's heads as soon as they walk okay. out including myself and yes. far beyond that um grim grinning ghosts and i think it'll surprise people that this was not a show i was Brothers surprised song. i was surprised i always um, thought it was too i know so i was surprised because i i really was today when i was thinking about you know recording tonight and i'm like there's got to be more st-. i never thought about a story of the song and it was really x who talked to wall and said Um, you know, we need kind of like a song. They, again, they had just finished pirates and they needed like a rousing song to get people, you know, that song kind of makes you want to dance. I'm like, I, I, it's not a sad or scary song. So he's like, that will offset some of the spookiness by this, like, you know, happy ghosts kind of singing and dancing. So that's where, so Walt was around when the concept of grim growing ghosts came to be, and it was going to be used to lighten up the ride a little bit. That's right. I think originally he called it the um, 
the screaming song. Yes. <laughs> Which I like. Song. He I, did. Yeah. I like Grim Grinning Ghosts a lot better. Um, and there, I believe he worked with actually uh, Buddy Baker, who's another famous yeah, composer yes. in the uh, Disney park space. Sherman Brothers are definitely the most well-known. And when you think classic Disney songs, you think Sherman and Brothers. And I love them. And I they could be too. a whole other episode themselves we could talk about. What's, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's not on my list of all the things that are on my list. I need to do a Sherman Brothers episode. Um, but yeah, obviously, uh, you know, Grim Grinning Ghosts is, uh, yeah. is a classic. It's really the end of the ride. Everything's coming. It's a party. So it makes sense to have the song there. That's right. And a couple things with the graveyard. Obviously, there's some more cool ghost effects that are employed and special effects. But do you know the voice of the, the, um, the, what do you call the deepest voice? I always forget. I'm not a musician. Um, uh, bass? I, I the bass? don't know. Um, but, <laughs> or the baritone. Um, the, 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 <laughs> The bust who's tilted sideways that kind of looks like oh, Walt and everybody yeah. says it looks like Walt. Do you know who the voice of that is? No, I don't. So as soon as I tell you, it's it's you're going to know exactly what I'm okay. talking about. So the voice actor's name is Thurl Ravenscroft. Oh, okay. And I've heard his name. He is the voice of Tony the Tiger. And it, isn't he also um, Professor Von Drake, the Disney character, the duck? I need to go back and check. I one voice involved with Disney's Professor Von Drake is in the Haunted Mansion. I'm not sure if it's him. It might be the ghost host Paul Fries, actually. Paul Fries. I'm thinking of it, but yeah, I gotta see. Thurl Ravenscroft did do um, quite a bit with Disney. I know he was in like the Aristocats. He played yes. the part of one of the cats. Um, he was. He was a narrator. I'm just looking at his profile now. The superior, yeah. uh, uh, a narrator for Superior Duck. Um, no, I don't think he was. He was. Uh, uh, hmm. He mentioned. I. I but um, I have to say, every time I ride the Haunted Mansion, I think now of Tony the Tiger when I hear that song. Yeah. Well, now, yeah. Now <laughs> that I know that, I will be. Yeah. The other thing that is interesting about. The Haunted Mansion is that there is actually there's a lot of jokes in there, but there's one joke in particular mm-hmm. about the opera lady. Oh, I don't know anything about her actually. Do you know the expression? It's not over till the fat lady sings. Yes, mm-hmm. that is why she's there. She's the last. Oh, it's the oh. Yeah, she's the last person, the last ghost in the graveyard. Um, it's also by the Raven, uh, or you know, a quote unquote ghost yes. host. But she is, uh, she's telling us that it is over. Isn't um, that funny? Even their placement <laughs> has a story. That's right. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, it, it's, it's a joke um, that is sort of thrown into, or a pun that's thrown into the Haunted Mansion. There's also, I should say, a hidden Mickey over there, too. But that what one's is a there? Hard. There's a hidden Mickey. Oh, really? Over by the opera singer? Oh, yeah. There's, do you know the, um, by her a little bit uh, about maybe 10 feet before her there's this what would you call it like a, the grim reaper almost yeah and he yes. has his arm stretched out towards you um mm-hmm. so the end of his arm um makes out a hidden mickey it's dark oh. but it's a hidden mickey if you pay i'll have to look yeah i know there was a hidden mickey on in the plates on the dining room table in the that's ballroom. right that's right um, that's the famous one yeah, no, I didn't know that. Very interesting. I'm I'm excited. I'm going back next week, and I'm going to have like the list in my head of what to look for. <laughs> All these things, yeah. just in one attraction. Um, 
And then we get to our hitchhiking ghosts. Yes. Our fun hitchhiking ghosts. I love the updated version, but I also loved the original. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved seeing who I was going to get, but it is a lot of fun now with the, all the uh, the special effects. Which is where I thought the memory maker picture thing would be, but you it's would not. Think. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a good placement for it. See all the reactions, yeah. but you do need lighting and it's hard to think about True. how many times they'd be flashing uh, <laughs> to get yeah. your uh, to get your portrait. Although I guess they they figured it out with the the first hallway scene with the lightning. Um and here again uh, another clever use of just practical lighting effects, nothing oh, fancy. Yeah. Although now they've added a, a layer of digital to it, it is still the same classic effect and is just timeless and so convincing. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want it to end in any other way. Like, That's it's right. it's always got to be like that, yeah. That's right. And then you do exits, and you do get Little Leota, we call her, yeah. uh, with Leota I, I want voice. her for my house. I want Little Leota. <laughs> <laughs> or for Haunted Mansion Holiday. Um, actually, yeah. in Disneyland, she, I was going to say for Haunted Mansion Haunted Mansion Holiday, she's Sally, but that is also a, oh. a minor difference. Is at Disneyland, it is off after you board uh, or disembark from your Omni Mover from your Doom Buggy oh, that you that. see her. Yeah, she's not actually on the ride. She is technically mm-hmm. right after the attraction is over. Mm-hmm. Um, then a ghost follows you home. <clears throat> a ghost follows you home, and one of the clever things, just from a, a cast member perspective, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, safety begins with me. You know, you have that moving walkway and. Yeah. People sometimes forget that it's a moving walkway. They're talking about the experience they just had, and they might trip And right. at the end of the moving walkway. So next time you get to the end, take a look just at the right height. There mm-hmm. is a stone that's actually 100% rubber. Really? Yes. Wow. So if someone, rather than having someone, you know, fall into stone, they fall into rubber. Oh, but it it looks because of the dim lighting it Mm -hmm. looks like stone and you you definitely if you're paying attention can can pick it out i would love to know all these things from you know a (laughs) former costume yes i would love this yeah it's it's always about safety it's a number one priority and they did either because they thought it through which is probably what ended up happening it's how most Mm -hmm. of these things happen they do think it through or perhaps someone did trip um but they they did uh and decide to create a rubber stone um, that looks like stone, but when you touch it and go and touch it, it's uh, it's yeah. made of rubber. Oh, very interesting. Safety begins with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then obviously, you know, you exit the attraction from there. Now, I know I kind of teased out in the beginning. We're not going to talk about them, but besides the Disneyland and the Walt Disney World versions, there are attractions, uh, Haunted Match attractions all over the world. There's one in Tokyo that's very similar to Disneyland's, um, although there are some differences. And the most uh, revered one, um, or for I'd say for a couple of decades, what has been the most revered is one of the best is Phantom Manor. At Disneyland Paris. Now, which one is, um, I know there's one where the culture is, maybe it's in Tokyo. Like the dead is not something to be scared of. That is Tokyo. Okay. Yeah. So it's not as scary, correct? That's correct. It's different. It is different. Um, I'll probably have an episode on it and um, it is a different attraction. Um, I believe it is in Fantasyland too. Um, Really? And it looks completely different. I mean, it's like... Even the Paris one, too. They're both so far from what we see here in Disneyland and Disney World. That's right. And I love the reason Phantom Manor is so popular is because instead of taking place in 
uh, New Orleans Square or Liberty Square, it takes place in Frontierland, which again yes. goes back to the history and was the one of the places they thought of putting the Haunted Mansion originally. And it has a story that connects it to Big Thunder Mountain. And right. it is Which just I love. So clever. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's that's uh <clears throat> that's another <clears throat> you know, element or another another version of the attraction. And the other attraction, the newest haunted mansion, um, not including any any refurbs or renovations, is Mystic Manor, which mm-hmm. technically takes place more in an adventureland type of setting, um, and is just uh you know next level dark ride technology right um it's uh it's really in uh you know a totally different uh league of its own so that's that's another version of the attraction as well so i mean obviously there is a uh <clears throat> you know there's a lot of history you and I have just chatted for yeah. an hour and 15 minutes, basically. About just scratch the surface. Just to scratch the surface. And we basically gave you a history and a walkthrough. Right. Um, and that's, uh, you know, not including all the details, all the special effects. There's okay, really quick, too. Yeah, can yeah. we just discuss the Pet cemetery at Walt Disney World, how they throw it back to Mr. Toad? Yes. Let's talk I about love that. how they incorporate that because I miss Mr. Toad and that's my little, every time I walk by, I give him a little hello and then I'm on my way. I, I love that he's there too. I know. Um, I heard from a cast member and I don't think this is true that, um, especially now at Disneyland, it doesn't make any sense. But at the Magic Kingdom, there is a, uh, a bird all the way in the back. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just a joke. Because I'm pretty sure I've, I've looked up close um, or, like, you know, zoomed in with my camera to see the name on the right. pet, and it's not. But at one point, I heard that the bird's name was Rosita um, because in the Enchanted Tiki Room, at one point, uh-huh. Jose says, I wonder whatever happened to Rosita. <gasps> no <And> way. <laughs> I would love that. I was hoping that would be true. But when I looked up close, it didn't look like the name was Rosita. So I'll have huh. to verify if that's a – it sounds like one of those urban legends. I know, um, but, but it also could be very true because it also sounds like something Disney would do. So Yeah, it ties into a totally different part of the park, uh, part of the sometimes different parts of the world. Um, but – yeah, I feel like you and I have at the very least exhausted uh, yes. at, at the very least part one right. <laughs> of a Haunted Mansion episode. Um, but it's, it's uh, I'm glad that we, we had the opportunity to sit down and talk about it. It's something it's one of those attractions that when we talk about Walt Disney World or Disneyland attractions or any Disney park for that matter, and we talk about detail. It's one of those that oh, although yeah. I've been on it. Uh, you know a hundred times and i I don't think that's an exaggeration time i feel like yeah and i'm always finding something new yes so much to it there's so many details so next time you ride it i encourage you to definitely pay attention to those details and the story and piece everything together and the mythology and the history and all the imagineers contributions because it is by far one of the most uh, you know imaginative richest attractions and there's just a huge story behind it i mean it's got to be one of the biggest storylines of all the attractions exactly it's it's incredible um and that's why again 
Normally for an episode like this, I would just talk through all the details, but that would be an hour lecture for me. And I thought it'd be a lot more interesting (laughs) to have a discussion about it instead. And then, um, of course, we'll still do a binaural ride through so we can experience this together. But um, hopefully we'll, uh, uh, you know, get get back to Walt Disney World. I know, Chris, you're going to be there soon uh, to experience it in person. But I know last time you were on the show, you were plugging a different platform. (laughs) And I feel like we need to to reset and uh, to tell the listeners where they can follow Kingdom Insider. Sure, definitely. So we are all over social media. If you want to go to Instagram, which I feel like is the go-to, we are at The Kingdom Insider. And on Facebook, we're at The Kingdom Insider. (laughs) So really just put in The Kingdom Insider. If you also go to thekingdominsider.com, that's our main website. It's going to be where our Disney news media stories are. Um, I'm going to be sharing, and I have shared a lot of my personal stories. And right at the top, and I think it follows you as you scroll down the page, are all the links to our social media, our Twitter, our LinkedIn, all those good things. So when in doubt, just go to thekingdominsider.com and you can get to everything from there. Can you spell it, please? No, I'm kidding. Sure. I'll, I'll be sure. <laughs> it's easy to remember. I'll be sure to put all the uh, the links in the show notes for this episode so people can easily just uh, scroll down there, click on uh, thekingdominsider.com yeah. or any platform. It'll take you right there, even as you're listening right now, um, to, to check that all out. But Christy, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you. This has been amazing. Agreed. You need to come back again for another Oh my gosh. Topic. Anything Disney history, have me back. We I should know. do a Nine Old Men. We have to do that one. We need to do that. We have talked about doing Waltz. I feel mm-hmm. like that's a... That's going to be a multi-tiered episode. That almost is a whole podcast in itself. Yeah. I need to create that. I mean, we that. have that book about him, and that book is, like, huge, so... And you and I committed to that, too. We read... Um, or at least I, I reread the entire thing just to I don't know how you did that. <laughs> Audiobooks. Yeah. Lifesaver. There you go. Um, if you had a request... Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion. As I mentioned, there is just so much to discuss with the Haunted Mansion. We just barely scratched the surface, and I'm sure we'll have to do more episodes about the Haunted Mansion in the future. But before we close out this episode, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, I want to take you for a ride with me on the Haunted Mansion. We'll ride together through the queue, the pre-show, and the full ride attraction in the Magic Kingdom version at Walt Disney World. As always, these experiences are best if you're wearing over-the-ear headphones or in-ear earbuds, but if you're listening on speakers or in your car, you'll still get a great experience as well. So grab those headphones and let's go for a ride together through the Haunted Mansion.
Try to hide For a silly spook They sit by your side Shrouded in a dark disguise They pretend to terrorize Grim Gringos come to socialize As the moon climbs high over the dead oak tree Spooks arrive for the midnight tree Creepy creeps with eerie eyes Start to shriek and harmonize when you hear the knell of a requiem bell, restless bones etherialize. And with that, we close out episode 54 of the Imagineer podcast. I want to give a special thank you once again to Christy from the Kingdom Insider for coming on to this episode and chatting with me for almost an hour and a half about the Haunted Mansion. As we mentioned, there is so much history, so many details. It all goes back to Walt Disney, some of the classic original Imagineers from Walt Disney imagineering and is still an experience 50 years later that so many guests have come to enjoy but i want to hear from you what are your thoughts about the haunted mansion which versions around the world have you been on before and perhaps which one is your favorite you can send me your feedback in so many different ways as always you can reach out to me and be sure to follow imagineer podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Imagineer Podcast. We're on Twitter at Imagineer News. Remember, that is the new Twitter handle, although if you're following Imagineer Audio, that should transition directly over to Imagineer News for you. You can also join our Facebook group, The Imagination, Imagineer Podcast Disney fan community, which you can go to by going to facebook.com slash Imagineer podcast and clicking on the groups that we have as one of the tabs that'll take you to Imagination or you can search directly into your search bar Imagination Disney fan community which will take you over to that group as well. We have so many conversations going on there about all things Disney and I would love to hear your thoughts about the Haunted Mansion. If you don't already subscribe to the show be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app because we're just about every podcast app out there for you to enjoy. You can subscribe in iTunes, Spotify, Google 
Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, whatever your preferred podcast app is, we are probably there for you to experience us. And if you subscribe, you'll be the first to know when new episodes become available. Of course, if you're especially listening in iTunes or in any other podcast app, one of the best things you can do for the show is to leave us a rating and a review in the iTunes store. I have been overwhelmed by, in a very positive way, by the number of reviews I've received since recording the last podcast episode. So many, in fact, that I am probably just going to read a few of them and I'll save the others for the next podcast episode. But one comes from Geek Rob, who says, the I recently stumbled onto this podcast and enjoyed it so much, I went back and listened to all the shows. I love how Matt provides the backstory of each attraction, the history and evolution of the attraction, and supplies a binaural recording of the attraction. Keep up the good work. I'm definitely adding the show to my weekly podcast listening repertoire. Matt is also really active in the Facebook community and easily accessible. Well done. Rob, I know exactly who you are. It's been really great chatting with you, and thank you so very much for this incredible review. Um, I also want to thank Tommy B 143 who says, fantastic podcast. Something that I always love is conversations about Disney, and man, this is definitely the place for it. Whenever I miss the parks, I just hit play on a podcast, and I am transported back to the parks. Tommy, thank you so very much. I'll read just two more. One comes from Riley Hope to be Styles. That's awesome. My new favorite thing. I only have listened to three episodes, but it's really what I've been longing for. I'm a huge Disney addict. I love Disney history and want to partake in the college program. The end goal is a tech job in Magic Kingdom. Riley, you could totally do it. Reach out to me if you need any help. This has fueled my addiction in a way no YouTube video ever could. Riley, that's why I'm on podcasting. I truly believe that podcasting is a great place to communicate with all of you. Last one I'll read today, but don't worry, I know there's a lot more of you out there who reviewed I'll review them, I'll, I'll read them in the future um, comes from two Aggies too who says fantastic for all Disney lovers extremely interesting podcast great insight and details that either experienced Disney vacationers or Disney newbies will find very beneficial uh, to Aggies too thank you so very much and to all of you who have also written reviews recently that I've not yet read I promise I will get to them in future episodes of the Imagineer podcast but if you listening have not yet left a rating and a review in the iTunes store. Again, it does so much to help our podcast community. I truly appreciate it. I'm so humbled by all of you who have rated and reviewed the show before. And just want to thank you all so very much for taking the time to do so. And I also want to announce a very special and exciting partnership. So one of the benefits of this not being my full-time job is I really have the chance to sort of pick and choose um, who I work with and I only want to share the best uh, content out there with all of you. I want to work with uh, partners who I know are going to provide this community with incredible value and I am more than excited to be partnering with Academy Travel. I don't know if any of you have heard of Academy Travel before. They have been making travel dreams come true for 23 years and are the one of three diamond level Disney earmarked travel companies in the country. Just to give you an idea, Disney only gives that platinum or diamond earmark, I should say, to a certain number of companies and Academy Travel is one of them. There are so many agents for you to speak with. I highly recommend 
um, and Trust Academy travel for your Disney vacations. So if you are looking for any expert advice, you can always reach out to me. Um, but if you do want to speak with an agent, I would highly recommend reaching out to Academy Travel. I am incredibly excited about this partnership, and I do believe it is going to make this community an even more exciting place for all of us and provide us with so many more opportunities. So um, welcome to Academy Travel into the Imagineer podcast family, and I'm sure you will hear much more about them in the future. But in the meantime, if you'd like to learn a little bit more, you can visit academytravel.com. They're also on social media, so you can follow them at Academy Travel, although academytravel.com has all those direct links for you to check out. So be sure to check them out and more updates will come in the future. So stay tuned. Of course, I also want to give a shout out to Christy at The Kingdom Insider. You can follow her at thekingdominsider.com, as well as The Kingdom Insider on Instagram and Facebook and so many other social media platforms, so you can check them out there. Finally, if you are not already a part of the Imagineer Society, I would encourage you to check it out. If you go to patreon.com slash Podcast, you will learn more about the Imagineer Society, which essentially gives you some extra special exclusive content, bonus episodes, early access to episodes of the Imagineer Podcast, uh, monthly video calls, a private Facebook group, discounts. There's a lot more to check out. So if you go to patreon.com slash podcast, it all goes to help to support the show and this community and gets you some extra special perks and opportunities in return. Most importantly, I believe this more than ever, especially as I've been watching the Imagineer podcast grow. We're at 100,000 downloads of Imagineer podcast. Thanks to all of you more than the number of followers and downloads. It's really the quality of the conversations I've had and this community of positivity, um, belief, and overwhelming support for each other and all things Disney that has truly meant so much to me. I am so very thankful for all of you and I promise that this is only the start of better things to come. I will be pushing harder than ever to make the Imagineer podcast a better place for all of you listening as well as all the communities out there for Imagineer Podcast, and just expect bigger and better things to come in the future. Thanks to all of you listening and following us and rating and reviewing us. I truly appreciate it so very much. Please remember, if you can dream it, you can do it. It's not only a quote from Horizons, it's something I truly believe, and I encourage all of you to go after your dreams, whatever makes you happy, you should be going after it and taking that first step today to make that happen. As always, thank you so very much for listening to the show, and we'll see you in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. I want you to meet uh, Julie Reen. Mark Davis. Very nice to meet you. Julie is uh, Miss Disneyland Tencennial. And Mark Davis is the uh, master in charge of our House of Illusions, or uh, uh, what do we call it? Uh, A haunted mansion. Haunted mansion and, uh, and uh, supernatural. Oh.
Lots Can you give you a little idea what we're going to have in there? Yes, well, we're doing a lot of portraits that change right in front of your very eyes. As a matter of fact, one of our paintings here is based on Greek mythology. This is Medusa. is a very beautiful girl. She offended the goddess Athena. And as a result, Athena turned her into a gorgon. And as you may know, if you looked at a gorgon, a gorgon would turn you into stone. Well, we sure don't want that to happen. What is, uh, tell her about this thing here, will you, Mark? Well, this is our uh, elongating stretching room. And in this room, we also have some stretching portraits. Perhaps you'd like to look at those over there. These are some of You pull them down, you should see what happens when the room gets longer, you get this full-size portrait. <laughs> this is my favorite here. Oh. Now, oh, come on, let me get a picture here. Another picture right about there. That's it. Have you seen enough? You want to see some more? We got a lot of stuff. Oh, let's see some more. Okay. I think we better get out of here. I think we're being watched anyway. Oh, good idea. <laughs> 